0: Good morning. So I heard that I was not here last week, but I heard that uh, the Q and A time was really wonderful. And uh, this week, we uh, in our in our team meeting, Kevin came and he was joining us, and it just became abundantly clear to me that um, that we need to do. Uh, I was inspired by Kurt Micha. We need to do a yay God for what God is doing in the Philippines. Am I right? God is doing amazing things, and so this morning we are going to uh, we 're just going to have a conversation. Chase has been there a couple of times, and so he really hasn 't an insight into what 's happening over there and and I think if you if you 've never actually been there it 's really hard to imagine. But today, we're going to have Kevin share with us a lot of the stories. He's going to talk about the history. He's going to talk about miracles. He's going to talk about the people. He's going to kind of talk about the church. And, and we're just going to listen to what he has to say, and maybe we'll fill in here and there. But we're not just doing this just to, to give you guys information. We're doing this. We have a motivation behind this, and that is to really build your faith. To build all of our faith that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That what God is doing in the Philippines, he wants to do here. He wants us to contend for his presence through prayer. And he wants us to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to the reality that he is still in the business of doing miracles, casting demons out, opening the eyes. We sang it, opening the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, and he wants to do all these things. So, this morning, would you please warmly welcome Kevin and Chase? I can get up there.
1: I'm up here mostly for my good looks. I just want to interject, you know, uh, for many of you guys that have been a part of the adventure for a while, you know that we partner um, quite a bit with the Philippines, not only on our missions trips, but at Christmas time, we have the opportunity to give um, financially to really bless them in in powerful ways. And so if you haven't been around here, you know, Kevin is a missionary in the Philippines. God is doing amazing things there, opening up churches. Um, He's looking at opening up an orphanage. All these types of things are happening, and we get to partner with him. And we get to be a part of this. And so that's why we're having him share. But we also want to have a, a connection here. And that's my part in this, of, of being able to take teams over there and be able to, to work with them um, around Christmas time and, and uh, to really partner with them. And Adventure really wants to be a part of the Adventure in the Philippines. We're all just one big family. And we want to just hear not only what God is doing there, but how can we be a part of that? How can we, um, whether it's staying here and supporting them financially, whether it's staying here, as Jody mentioned, and praying for them, or whether it's going over and letting our, our hands and feet. Be, just be uh, sharing God's word. So that's what we're, we're going to share a little bit this morning about.
0: So to start, I just want to um, ask, uh, if I asked Kevin if you would kind of share the history, share kind of the story about how this all started. So again, Kevin, would you, uh, would you fill us in on how God moved so miraculously?
2: I think it's, so, it's great because people think, oh, people, when I come back, they often ask me, oh, how do you do that? Or how did God do that there? And I like to tell them that the work that God did in me, he didn't do over there. He did it right here in this room, actually. He did it here. Uh, First, God did the miracle in my life. And man, I was, if you knew me 10 years ago, uh, you wouldn't have liked me at all. Amen. Amen. No, it's true. If you don't really believe me and you're like, oh, he's just saying that, just ask my family. They didn't like me. My mom didn't like me. My brothers didn't like me. My mom loved me, but she did not like me.
0: That's bad when your own mom doesn't even like you.
2: My, my, my cousins, they go to church here. They didn't like me. Um, you know what? I was a prideful, arrogant man who thought I could do everything my own way. And... I followed the things that people said you should follow. Money, women, your own pride, lifting yourself up. I did that for a long time and I hurt a lot of people along the way. Until God really broke me. Broke me, broke me, broke me. Um, In so many different ways, he broke every part of my life. And it wasn't until really I was sitting in the hospital Uh, The mother of my son, Liam, had gone into a coma. She'd gone septic, and they told me that she was going to die that day um, when I finally broke all the way, and I gave my life to Jesus that day. And I said, God, whatever you have, I don't care what it is. I'm not asking for anything. I've already asked for too much, but from today, for the rest of my life, I will serve you. I'm so tired and done living my own way. And I went in and I read her a letter goodbye and you know, she woke up. And I told her what Jesus had just done to me because I, I feel like I knew Jesus my, for a long time. I'm a Kligman. Kligmans, we, we knew about God but it wasn't really until that day when I had received salvation. And I had called myself a Christian before but I was a liar. I wasn't a Christian. I was a halfway, one Sunday a month, a church attender who pretended to be a Christian. But that day I got saved. And I told his mom all about it, and she had no idea what I was talking about. She thought I was nuts. Um, and she lived for seven days, and then on Christmas Day she fell asleep and she passed.
0: She was, she was how old?
2: She was... Uh, 34. Um, But that was the moment that my life changed. And I started coming to the adventure because I didn't know where else to go or what else to do, and I barely came. I snuck out before service ended. I, I came late. I didn't even feel like I deserved to be here. I knew I didn't deserve to be here, actually. And I didn't know how else to worship God. I knew I was supposed to. I didn't I didn't know how. I didn't even know who I was. I was nothing at that point. I had to start rebuilding my entire life. That I was for all intents and purposes, I was dead. And slowly God started to build me little by little. Ira caught me one day and invited me to go for pizza. And I was so nervous because I was Dira. nothing. <laughs> I, was, I was nervous, not because of Ira, but because who was I that anybody would even want to have pizza with me? And little by little, God gave me a life. And then he gave me a wife. And then he gave me a family, a church family. You guys became my church family. And then he gave me hope and a future and a mission and a call and it wasn't easy. But a few years later, Shanna and I, we went to the Philippines.
0: Can you, can you describe Shanna and kind of the story of how you two met?
2: <laughs> Shanna is, well, if you ever know a Filipino woman, she's a Filipino mom in every sense of the word. <laughs> um, she was really quiet when she first came here also. Uh, she's nothing like what she is now. Now she is one of the most powerful women of God you will ever meet. Uh, she walks and people follow her. Uh, she shows the example of love, of care, of genuineness. Like she's not fake at all. She, there's nothing fake about her. She walks to the market in my clothes. Everybody thinks she's like an uh, impoverished slum lady. But then when she speaks, like she speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, But when we first met, she wasn't anything like that. She was just a girl that God brought in my life from the Philippines. Um, I met her through a friend who used to come into my restaurants, and we actually first talked online, playing Facebook poker. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then, you know what? God had told me, you're going to marry her. And a year later, I did. And it was the best thing that has ever happened in my life because it wasn't me. It was God. It wasn't me trying to do something. This was the first thing in my life that I didn't force, that God just gave to me. And he had the plan, and I didn't know what his plan was. And we moved here, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Um, And when God called us to the Philippines, uh, we we didn't want to go. But then we had trouble with her visas. We had trouble getting her her green card. We had all these things, and there was people against us, and and it was just like finally we were just like, God, we'll go. We'll do whatever you want. I promised I would give my whole life to God before. I said, we can do this. We can do anything that God wants us to do. So we did. Eric prayed for us, and um, we went out empowered not defeated, but empowered. Eric told me that day, he said, the minute you step up, step off the plane, you're their pastor. And everybody you meet, God has given you. And that was a prophetic word for me because it happened and it's still happening. And as soon as I stepped up off the plane in the Philippines, I wasn't just Kevin. I was the man that God had sent there.
0: Chase, you've, seen, you've been there, so you've seen the impact that he has. Can you describe a little bit? So, because Kevin won't boast in himself, yeah. but let another, another's lips praise you, not your own. So,
1: Well, I think even, even before I go there with the, the idea of Shanna and how God is using her, um, sometimes we sit there and it's like, how can God use me? I, I don't have these abilities. I, I don't have all these things. And I guarantee you that's where she was at you know, because she was very quiet, very timid. And God said, it's not about you and who you are. It's me working through you. And as you go over there and you're a part of them, you see that happening. You see, I, I remember her from the adventure here in Salt Lake, Shena to the Shena in the Philippines. And she has a different command and it's God just working through her. And every person that she meets knows that she's speaking the voice of God. And and I don't want to challenge you guys this, of everyday life, whether it's, going overseas or whether it's just where you're at that God can use you in powerful ways. And that's what I saw when I go over there. When I've been a part of the, the work over there, Kevin and Shen are looked at in a different way. They're not just a, a mixed couple in the Philippines. They're looked at people who are impacting lives and people are looking to them not, not only for, for help because they help them in so many different ways, but they're, they're looking at them to, to share this Jesus Christ with us to show us who this Jesus Christ is that's, that's empowering you and, and working in your life. And we're seeing it because all these churches are, are opening up, not because Kevin has read a, a book on how to st- start and plant all these churches. Um, it's not because The he, book didn't work. Yeah. Um, went to all these classes. He went there and he, he just basically said, God, here I am, use me. And God wants to use vessels that are willing to, to let go of everything else and saying, God, I have nothing but you. How can you use me? And in doing so, um, he's opened up so many different doors. And so many people have come around them and gathered around them, not because Kevin Ashenna can financially or whatever give them stuff, but they want to just, just draw in the God that, that Kevin Ashenna served. And lives are being changed in powerful ways. People are being healed. Um, all these things are happening because they were willing to just say, God, it's about you That's
2: right.
1: and everything. It's about you. And going to another country, it's about you. And serving in every different way, it's about you. And serving every day. Um, the thing I noticed about Kevin and Shanna is they go, 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 go. You know? and, and they live um, in, in a family atmosphere, and it's not just their family. You know, one thing that's, that's, that we do here in America is as soon as we get into a home, we put up our fences, right? And we have our little area that this is our area. You know? And we have our little bit of privacy, and we want that privacy. But there, it's all wide open. There are no fences. A lot of times you share homes with people. You share buildings with people. It's all together. And, and going there, it would be easy to, to be very selfish and say, where's my space? But it's not about that. It's about, you know what? We're a huge family here. We're all going to share Christ. And as you start to live in community that way, um, it, it gets messy sometimes, but God really uses them. And that's why I saw in a, a powerful way, God using Kevin and Shanna and their team because they just opened up and said, it's not about my wants and my desires. God, it's about you. And God used that.
2: Not to say anything but um, about myself, but there's a verse that, that inspires me. It's Philippians 3.8. And it just says, I consider all things loss yeah. compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I consider, and it goes on, it says, I have lost everything. Yep. And for me, it's such a blessing to lose your life for Jesus. Uh, and when you live not just on Sundays or not just in, in a part of your life, because the verse doesn't say I've lost a portion of my life, or I've lost an hour of my week, or anything like that. It says I consider all things lost, and it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, and that's kind of a verse that we live by. Um, and it's not something any—it's something anybody can do, mm-hmm. you know. And it doesn't matter where you are, what your house looks like, what car you drive, or or what country you live in, or what people you're around, like. Like We talk about living for Jesus, and it's, it's a daily get-up-every-morning, God, today is your day, and I, I submit everything to you, and I don't say, I have to do this, I have to do that. Uh, we, we try and limit those things that we've bound ourselves to, or limit the things that would restrict us from really being, having the freedom to say, God, whatever, right? If I don't go into work today, whatever. If uh, you don't want me to go here, okay, you know whatever. Because I everything's lost compared to Jesus, p- compared to serving Him, and He gave everything for me, uh, way more than I could ever, ever hope to give back, or not even I'm not even trying to give back. I'm just trying to live His purpose in my life.
0: That's such a great reminder, and I, you know, I think it's those little things like you just step out in faith and say. I'm just gonna trust you, Lord. And because of that, you've seen some so many lives changed dramatically. I mean, we got to meet those people. We got to meet Kuya Dan and Ruth and Crystal and could you could you share some of the amazing testimonies, the stories about how how God really began to draw people to himself?
2: Yeah, let's let's brag on God a little bit because God does amazing things. Um, and it always starts in really small ways. Things you don't expect. Uh, it's, you, you hear amazing stories and you think some amazing event happened, but it, there's never some big amazing event where I stood up and played Moses or anything like that. It's just, you know, I meet somebody and God just does things and I just get to watch, you know, Dan, I love Kuyadan. If you meet Kuyadan, uh, He's the most amazing guy you'll ever meet. He shows up at the church every morning before I even wake up, probably 6 a.m. every day, and he stays there all day, and he just does whatever he can for whoever he can. It doesn't matter what it is or who's there. If there's a, a kid that needs to be walked home, he'll walk them home. If, if there's something needs to be cleaned, he'll clean it. Like, I don't even tell him anything. I don't tell him what to do. Uh, I don't ask him to do anything. He's just doing and doing. And it's not because he has to, it's because he is so thankful for his life. He was um, on the verge of committing suicide. He was very, very depressed. He had lost his wife and his family. He was working in Japan. He came back uh, and he had a extreme skin condition. Uh, And he was just alone, just hopeless. And one day, he, he's about to kill himself, and he just, for some reason, turned on the radio. And I don't know what I was saying or what I was talking about or anything, but we had the radio program, and we were just talking about God. And he sent in a message. He's like, where's your church? And we didn't know who it is, and we get a lot of messages. And the, one of the girls that was with me, they responded and. Sunday morning, he comes and he has really long white hair and uh, he's got all this stuff in his hands, like just stuff. And he's like, I need to speak to Pastor Kevin. So they came and got me and I went out and talked to him and he just like handed me everything he has. He had like, I think he gave me like a few tea bags, a banana and like three CDs that were from the 80s. Um, (laughs) But he just felt like he He had to give something. He wanted to give something, whatever he could. Uh, And he told me, he said, last night, you saved my life. And I said, last night, God saved your life. And why don't you tell me what happened? Because I don't know. And he said, I was about to kill myself last night. And I turned on the radio. And you were speaking the words of God. And he filled my heart. And he's like, so I don't know what to do. But my life belongs to Jesus now. And I gave him a Bible, and I said, welcome to the family. And he, ne- he, ha- he hasn't left, like n- literally hasn't left. <laughs> uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he sleeps outside the gate. I don't know. Uh, he just hasn't left, and he serves, and he loves everybody. And he is a part of our family. And God replaced his family with our family, and now he's everybody's kouy- dan. Uh, what does Kuya mean? Kuya means older brother. Uh, for us, we call him Kuya. And the younger people, they call him Amang, which means grandpa, because he has the white hair. And he's, he's a dad to all of them. He just takes care of all the younger kids, whoever they are. My kids, they all, they all just love him because he loves so much. Yeah,
0: yeah he really does. He's a sweetheart. Um, yeah. Can you tell some more stories about some of the other people, some of the miraculous life change that's taken place.
2: Life change. Uh, I think one of the most dramatic is uh, uh, there's a lady in our church who used to run a brothel. She was a madam. She she owned the bar. Uh, She ran the girls. She lived a life of drugs and drinking and just every debauchery you can think of. Uh, And... Her family was brought up in that, and her husband died in that, and she inherited the brothel, and um, she was pretty good at it. She was good at her job. <laughs> but you know what? God got, God got a hold of her, and God broke her, and she lost everything, and she started coming to the adventure, and now all of her family is saved. Her kids are, like, her daughter is our youth coordinator, and she's, yeah, she teaches you. our women's Bible study. And God has just transformed her, just transformed her whole family, her whole life. All of her kids, uh, they live for Jesus. They go out to all these areas that we go to, and they share the word of God. And and, man, she just became such a powerful woman of God, leading her family towards God. And I'll be honest, I don't know how it happened. I don't know exactly what God did or what the exact moment was that God met her. But God met her, transformed her. And now she's an invaluable part of our family also, a part of our church. Uh, and all we did is just be there and do what we do and, and become available for her. She would come all the time asking questions about God and, and be there. And Shanna was a huge inspiration for her. Shanna just led her from her, her nothingness to... Just being a powerful woman of God and her family and her, like, they, God just did such a miracle in her life. Like, I love to say, that I've seen a lot of miracles, but there's nothing like a changed life. Mm-hmm. There's no miracle like somebody who's come from such a dark place and God's just transformed them. And you see a new person, like, a, like it's better than seeing somebody raised from the dead because this person is actually raised from such a dark place death, you know, and they're so transformed. It happened to me and I love to see it happening in people like Ate Ruth. And I just couldn't believe what God did. And it wasn't us. Like we, we just, we're just there. We get to see these things and God works. God, God does his thing. And it's amazing to see who God chooses to just blow my mind by their transformation.
1: I think is key what he just said there is who God chooses because mm-hmm. it goes back to what I said before is like how can God use me, mm-hmm. you know? And so you look at the two examples he just shared and it wasn't like we're going to take the most powerful people and pull them in because they have all these abilities. Took a grandpa that was broken, mm-hmm. that was the, the one to 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 just die, and now he's losing his life for Christ and he's an, uh, you know impacting all these young kids and he's being a grandpa to all these young kids. God's taken the thing that he had with his ability just to to serve and he's using it. And then it wasn't like God's like, I'm going to pick the lady running the brothel, you know. But it was like he, he, just, he took this lady and pulled her in, and now even her family's a part of that. And so it's one of those things of sometimes we just doubt ourselves or we doubt what God can do in our lives because we're so worried about our abilities and the things that we have to give. And God's like, I'm God. Mm-hmm. I can do anything. And as we're seeing examples, I can use anybody. And so that, that's, a, that's a challenge, I think, that Kevin's kind of sharing, not only about the Philippines, but about us here, about being a part of that.
2: Be careful about calling him Grandpa. He's your age.
1: Well <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I don't have the white hair yet.
0: His hair is shorter now, too. It's up to here. Um, th- you know, you make it sound really easy. I mean... Um, it is. Well... But there was a lot of opposition, and there still yeah. is. So, um, you know, I think it's like when we say yes to the Lord, of course, God does all these amazing things. He does miraculous things in our midst. We get to see him. We get to partner with him. But with that, there will always come spiritual opposition and trials and hardships. And um, I think God uses that to weed people out, you know, to kind of take the people out that aren't sold out can you share maybe some of your trials and some of the hardships and some of the things that you've, you faced when you guys got there and still face even now?
2: Yeah, it's... Okay, so the God stuff is easy because I don't do that. That's right. um, <laughs> the me stuff, the my heart stuff is hard. Yeah. That stuff's really hard. Um, when we first got there, I was really isolated. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak the Golog. Uh Shena was with me, but she was with her family too. And, and I really felt isolated for a long time. And it was, it was really hard. I was sick. Uh, I got really sick for a lot of time the first several months with uh, dengue fever was one of them. I got sick with uh, just horrible fevers and colds. And I wasn't used to any of the bacteria there. And I was going every day into these squatter areas, these slum areas, and, you know, playing with kids who weren't healthy, you know, in the, in the dirt, you know, in the sewage. Uh, and that stuff just, it takes a toll on your body. And God protected me, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Uh, the isolation wasn't easy. I didn't have a community yet. I didn't have very much. I just had God to depend on and a few key people that God had put in my life to speak into me. Ira, Eric, uh, my wife, just people that I could hold on to and say, okay, you're here. And that was really some of my anchor when I was, we were building this. I mean, now I look back and, and God has built such a foundation in a, a community there, but noth- nothing was there. There wasn't anything there. And the more I spoke the gospel, the more I preached the Word of God, the more some of the, the churches and the people and the religions there hated me. The Catholic Church put like a sign on post saying, "Don't go to Pastor Kevin's church. you'll die if you do." And it was like a curse. And um, you know, there was a lot of opposition. There still is a lot of opposition, uh, and it takes trust. It takes the faith that God will protect me, protect my family. And even more than that, just the trust that even if something bad does happen, it's worth it. And I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go and, and sit in the presence of the Lord forever. My family, if, if something bad happens, we're all going to go sit in the presence of God together. And just that eternal mindset of knowing that, that whatever hardships we deal with right now are just temporary, temporary. Like like you said, your troubles are light and momentary, and so we we just keep that in our minds. Like where when we do face an opposition, you know, when I first got there, there was a, a Muslim terrorist group who was trying to find my location. There was a lot of stuff, right? There's just a lot of stuff. The people and and you know religions and stuff that was just trying to oppose what God was doing, uh, and we had to we had to be careful. We weren't. We were trying to be wise, walking in wisdom, and, um, but God protected us, and God still protects us. And there is there's demonic opposition, too. Uh, real, actual demonic opposition. And I, I, I want to tell a story that happened a couple of weeks ago, but I don't want you to be focused on the negative side. I want you to really think about what God does and how he sets people free. But
0: Before you say that... Um, I think one of the things, I don't know about you, Chase, but one of the things that really surprised me was just the overt spirituality. You know, I think we live in an area where things are kind of, you know, they're, they're, it's more hidden. In the Philippines, it is in your face. I mean, it is, there is, you can sense it, you can feel it. Did you experience the same thing when you were there too? Yeah.
2: Yeah, people aren't, aren't subtle about it. Like they set up idols outside their house and they pray to them. Uh, there's people that put food out for the elves as a form of pacification so that they can keep them from harming them. Uh, there's a lot of fear. Everybody's afraid of, of, you know, they have monsters and they call them mumus and, and they have different things that they're, they, they live in a lot of fear. Um, and these things are real and they're not they're not subtle. They're not subtle at all. And so a lot of the stories we have, they're not subtle. They're really in your face. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen here. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aware of the devil's schemes here either. Just because it's subtle, just because it's a little bit smarter and cleaner and nicer, doesn't mean it doesn't exist here. Right? So... A couple weeks ago, uh, a man who has been attending our church for a little while came out, and we have a big gate outside, and he was just standing outside the gate just wailing and screaming and wailing. And this was a Saturday night, and we had our men's Bible study. Thank God for that. And, and Prentice, if you know Prentice, he was there. And I went out to talk to this guy uh, They're like, Pastor, we don't know what's wrong with him. He won't stop screaming. I went out, and uh, all of a sudden, he lunges at me and grabs my throat and starts choking me, and his wailing turned into more of a growling, more of a—and he grabbed me and and Prentice and some of our other people, men that were there, they grabbed him and pulled him off of me, and— it was very clear at that moment that this man has had been demon possessed. So we got him in the church, um, and he was spewing and spitting and biting. Poor Prentice was covered in this man's saliva. Uh, he smelled horrible. He was uh, always just trying to lunge at me, and they were holding him down. And he was just speaking in these other languages. And then all of a sudden, he looked at me. He's like. I came to challenge you. And he looked in my eyes. And he's like, I came to challenge the apostle. And he's like, you think you're something. And he's growling, and he's spitting, and he's yelling. And then he, uh, we, we tied him up. We used those, you know those police uh, zip ties? We had some of those. Uh, I don't recommend tying people up in church. <laughs> we did buy some, just in case. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> That's not something we normally do. Uh, but we tied him up because he was, he was dangerous. And we really didn't have a choice. And we called his wife, and she was so scared. And we, we brought people in the men's Bible study. We were all trying to pray. Uh, I'm speaking the words of God to him. I'm uh, cast, trying to cast out this demon in the name of Jesus. And he's just mocking us, just mocking us. And I, I felt so helpless. I felt so hopeless. I messaged Jody. I'm like, Jody, I have no power. We have no power over this thing. Um, and he's just speaking evil, and he's cursing, and he's yelling at me, why did you come here? Why did you come here? Why did you come here? Uh,
0: and you're thinking, yeah, why did I come here?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I spoke the words of God, and he's like, what? you have no words of your own, apostle. And just mocking and spitting, and poor Prentice. <laughs> He's, Prentice is a big guy, and he was holding him down. And he threw Kuya Dan across the room. He, he broke the zip ties like they were nothing. Uh, we had to use something else to restrain him, and a metal cable. And it was just not fun. Uh, and he had had a couple beers. He went to a funeral. Uh, they did. They do a lot of really spiritual things at these funerals. And they had done a, a spiritual ceremony there using a medallion and things like that. And um, his wife was, you know, helpless. And so we let him be for the night, because I thought maybe he doesn't have enough mental control with the beers that he had to to uh, even think clear enough. Um, and so the next morning, we have church. He's there. Uh, we had some new people come. Still tied up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's quiet during the church service, and then afterwards, we sit down and talk to him, and there, there's a big group of us, and all, everybody from the church service. There was about more than 100, so about about the amount of people that are here today, right now, and they all outside, and I said, I said um, to the man, I said, you need to receive Jesus, and all of a sudden, his eyes roll back into his head, and he lunge at me again, and uh, all night, he had been telling his wife, I'm going to kill your pastor. And going to kill your pastor.
0: This is a big man. He's not a little guy. He's a big guy.
2: And then he tried to hurt his wife. And then he said, if I can't take you, I'm going to take this body. And he started trying to gouge his, gouge his own eyes out, bite his fingers, bang his head against the floor. So we've got this guy tied up in the church on a foam pad so he doesn't, kill, you know, hurt himself, and he's screaming and yelling. And we've got all these people outside the church. We had new people attending, and I go out and I said, "We don't normally tie people up during church, uh, only if they don't pay their tithes." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, I I had been, you know thinking about it. And there's, there's a verse in Matthew six, it talks about a person who was demon possessed and the, the disciples, they couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So I went out and I talked to our church body and I said, here's the thing. We need, we need God to do something. We need God to set this man free. We need God to set our, our friend free. I said, so all of you guys, uh, Maybe you have plans, maybe you don't have plans, but we're all staying here. And we're going to pray and we're going to fast, no lunch, no nothing. We're going to just stay here until our friend is free. And all of them, even the new people, stayed. And they all just were praying and, and, and praying and praying. And then, you know, Shanna was inside and we had uh, some of our leaders inside praying for this uh, uh, man and speaking truth. And finally, about three hours later, He just screamed really loud for about 30 seconds. And the demon left him. And he was set free. Yes. (laughs) And he just started crying, just crying. Um, And he just started confessing all these things that had happened in his life, things he did, uh, some pretty rough things. uh, And he spent a long time confessing just all this stuff. uh, And he got it all out. And you know what? He had been attending the church, but he didn't know forgiveness into that moment. He didn't really forgive himself or receive the forgiveness of God. And I, I had realized at that moment that, man, there's people who know about God who just haven't received the forgiveness. They haven't even been able to accept it yet. And that opened himself up to this, this thing. But praise God that demons aren't that smart. I had overestimated them. But he came to the church, and God set him free from all of that life of bondage, from everything he'd gone through. God set him free, and it was amazing. He was free, praise God. you know? yeah. Praise God.
1: Yeah, praise God. And, and I think you know one of the keys in there is is something we've been talking about—a church body—and that's contending for the presence of God. You know, and it wasn't just, "Hey, Pastor Kevin, you take care of this." It was the body yeah. coming together. And, and getting before us saying, God, we need you in a powerful way. And, and that's, that's, that's you know, where we're going as, as a body. And that's what we've been doing this whole year is, is our heart for this year is contending for the presence of God. Whether it's something that we see manifest itself in a powerful way like Kevin saw. Or whether it's just the subtle things that we need to contend for the presence of God as a body. You
2: know, it, it was a little bit scary for some of the people. But they got to see God do a miracle that day. They got to see a man who was uh, possessed by his own guilt, even before he was possessed by an evil force, be set free. Uh, a man who was broken be healed in that moment. And and now if you met this guy like a couple weeks ago, last week, he was just praising God just with his whole heart, like just in such an amazing, beautiful way. And it's, you can already see the fruit of the Spirit working in his life way in in amazing ways, Um, and it's just, goodness, God is so good, you know, we didn't know what to do, you know, I, I had cast out demons before, but nothing like this, and, you know, we just went before God and said, God, we're out, it's your turn, it's your turn, we'll wait, we'll pray, we'll seek you, but God, you have to do something, because we can't, you have to do something because we're not good enough. We can't do anything here. If you don't set this man free, he will not be free. And I think sometimes in our lives, we try and do and do and do, and we forget, we, we just got to ask God to do the miracle. And he's the one who can do it. And there's a time where you just got to set back. And yeah, we contend for the presence of God. Yeah, we're praying, but we're crying out and just saying, God, We need you. We need you right now. And you have to recognize those times. You need God. You know, we need you. And he moved and he worked. Because of our helplessness, actually, he worked.
0: Yeah, amazing, huh? Amazing stories. Um, Besides this story and the story, the testimonies, I mean, there's so many more stories. And unfortunately, we don't have time to go into all of it. Um, because I, I do believe, and I, I think uh, Chase and Kevin and I are all on the same page here, that we really want to do some business with the Lord, um, talking about contending for God's presence. And I think it, the, the, the key thing that you said was you were desperate. And I think, you know, I, I've often said that we don't really recognize how desperate we are, but God will do whatever it takes Whatever is necessary in our lives to show us how desperate we are and how much we need him. We sang that again this morning, desperate just to know who you are. There's nothing else that matters. And we do believe that God is moving this family into a new season where we are sensing the presence of the Lord in in new and profound and deep ways. And we are seeing the miracles. You know, we've talked about this, the miracles of Jesus that that is the same yesterday and today, yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that's that's doing these things in the Philippines wants to do these things in Utah and in our midst. So... um, if you could, do you want to say something?
2: Yeah, can I just uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. If you, you seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And I think that's where we're at today. I think there's people who need Jesus to do something here today, and Jesus wants to do something today. And when you're contending with the for the presence of God, it's just that you're just seeking Him with your whole heart, saying, God, I need you. And maybe you need Jesus today right here.
0: Yeah, um, so if you could, uh, if you wouldn't mind, if we could just get on our knees before the Lord. And Kevin, if you would lead us in prayer of repentance and desperation. And um, we just really, we are really contending for God's presence this morning.
2: Oh, Jesus. Lord God, we worship you. God, you are the God of the universe. You're the God who put everything into motion. God, you, you are the God most powerful, the God most high. God, we worship you. Yes. Cry out you. And God, yeah. I'm sorry for the times we've tried to do it ourselves. I'm sorry for the times we do it in our own strength. I'm sorry for my pride. God, right now, We need you. We need you to work here today. God, we need you to set people free. Lord Jesus, set us free from all the things that are holding us captive. God, do something today. God, we can't anymore. We we, we never could do anything. God, even our good things are just like filthy rags to you because you're so much better. God, I'm sorry for the times we've gone our own way. God, I'm sorry that we have bound ourselves to the world, to other things. God, I'm sorry that we've been distracted by everything that we have here. But God, take all of that away and you are enough for us. God, even if we lose everything, even when we lose everything, we have everything because we have you. Lord Jesus, you are enough for us. You are everything for us. God, we just need you. We don't need anything else. Lord God, we just need you today. God, fill us right now with your Holy Spirit. Empower us. With your word Lord Jesus take away our guilt and our shame renew our minds renew our strength strengthen our weak knees so that we can stand and be the men and women of God that you have called us to be God strengthen our hands that we can do your work God so that we can be useful in your kingdom so that you can use us, God. God, here we are right now at the adventure. Here we are. Send us, use us, make us, mold us. Do something new in us today. God, I know that you have done a work in here. I know that when the Adventure Church came to Utah, you did miracles. God, renew in us that same passion, that same love for you that saw the miracles done, that we can see that you want to change this place, that you want to reach the people of Salt Lake City, Utah for you, of all of the state of Utah for you. You want to change lives. You want to set the captives free. You want to heal your people. You want to heal your land. God, we don't put our trust in in men or our politicians or money or bosses or companies or anything else, Lord Jesus. We only put our trust in you. God, we need you today. So do something new. Please, Jesus, do something new. Set us free. We give you our worries. We give you our shame and our guilt. And today we accept your forgiveness. You died on the cross so that we could be free. It is for freedom that you set us free. So today we walk in your freedom. Today we stand before you as men, as creations made in the image of God. committed to do your will, not our will, but your will, God, out of a heart of thankfulness. Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your holy, mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.